Hello everyone, and welcome to a live streaming version of Living with ADHD and CPTSD. So today, how are we going to discuss this? A lot of this has to be up to my audience, <clears throat> and to some degree, the theme of this is just discussing ADHD. Now, I realize that some of you are new and I get that you're, you know, maybe not familiar um, with my podcast, possibly. If you are familiar with my podcast, you know that I like to discuss my ADHD topics every Friday. Uh, they come out, the, the new episodes come out every Friday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, so depending on where you are located, it's either going to be super early in the morning or later in the afternoon. And I have guaranteed uh, a new episode every week. And I also do a second podcast or well, a second episode every week for CPTSD, which is complex trauma. And I know a lot of people out there who are listening to my podcast also deal with CPTSD and it's it's really unfortunate that we have to suffer and struggle with stress and anxiety and getting triggered in order to survive our past experiences uh, you know our abuse and neglect that we've experienced in our past and I know that that's not fair and I get that we all deal with it in our own unique ways. And it's, it's really sad and nobody deserves to have that. So I'm hoping today that people who are watching will be brave enough to ask me a question related to ADHD. It can be anything they want. There is no restrictions there's no boundary as far as what you'd like to discuss it's really up to you um below on the screen you can see my twitter ad, uh, address if you want to contact me is at adhd and cptsd i have a website of course that's been up for a while uh, it's living with adhd and cptsd.ca i am a canadian i live in edmonton alberta canada I have been doing this podcast since September 11th of 2021, and I am currently in my second season. Okay, I just want to make sure that I don't have an issue here with my screen. And um, yeah, this is my background that I used for a while, and now I'm using a new lo uh, logo up in the top right corner. So. ADHD, as we're well aware, those that have that are dealing with ADHD today, it's not a, it's not something that's simple. It's not an easy diagnosis to handle. Um, depending on, and it also depends on which one you are diagnosed with. Of course, you can be. There's three different. Um, ways of being diagnosed with ADHD. You can be a hyperactive ADHD diagnosis, 
You can be an inattentive ADHD diagnosis, which is what I am. And you can also be a combination diagnosis, which is both hyperactive and having inattentive. And it's, I guess it depends on what your psychiatrist says when they diagnose you. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the three that you can have. Now, everybody has a different degree of severity as well. I have, it, it was a while ago, but I personally have met someone who had a very severe diagnosis of hyperactive ADHD and the just the experience and the exposure to someone who has ADHD so severely it is quite eye-opening and you don't realize just how severe it can be until you actually are aware of it or around it and we there's a lot of stigmas out there and there's a lot of preconceptions about ADHD that many people don't understand and don't really get and that's really unfortunate because it causes a lot of stress a lot of unnecessary stress as well and nobody enjoys that because of the fact that we're we're struggling as it is we we have an underdeveloped frontal prefrontal cortex in our brain and there's so many side effects and symptoms that come from having adhd some have more severe side effects uh, some have more have multiple side effects some don't have as many and their adhd isn't necessarily as severe and like I was saying, this person that I met, uh, this was back early 2000s uh, and I was in my early mid 20s at that time. And when I, I met her, she had pre-warned me about it and just so that I wasn't like taken aback, like, taken off guard and... and and shocked and surprised here and she when I was sitting with her and we were having lunch it was very clear it you know it it was so obvious that she was someone who dealt with ADHD for her entire life she had a hard time sitting still and focusing on anything like you could see her, she was always moving her hands and she was, her body was moving. She, she it was basically next to impossible to focus on anything, uh, any one particular the subject or like, and even talking with her had been extremely difficult because of the fact that she had a hard time concentrating and staying focused on what was being said. And needless to say, it didn't go too well. And it's unfortunate because, you know, underneath all that, it's, she's a person who's dealt with a lot, like more, way more than what a neurotypical person would, uh, would deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And I'm imagining how her life must have been up to that point. And even for the rest of her life, I have no idea where she is anymore. Um, I'm hoping that she's still around and that she's been able to get some better help to manage her symptoms better so that she can have a, a productive life. I, I realize that it's difficult for a lot of people who have very severe ADHD to function. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who don't have ADHD who prejudge and have these these preconceived thoughts and ideas as to what it's about and what it means. And people who are in relationships and they have ADHD or they're, they're the one who their partner has ADHD. It's, it can be very under, well, it's very hard to understand. And there's a lot of misconceptions and for someone who's, for someone who would be really recently in a relationship and it's maybe been um, a month or two months and especially if someone isn't necessarily severe like maybe it's a mid-range severity for for ADHD so that means it doesn't always come out and sometimes maybe it takes a little while for it to be noticed right and maybe it's Maybe they don't always appear. Maybe all maybe the symptoms aren't always there. And what that means is some people, maybe they go on their first date or two and due to the type of date, maybe they go out somewhere and do a fun thing like a, like maybe mini golf or they go to a place where there's a lot of action and a lot of movement because the interesting thing that you probably don't realize is that's not an accident. If the person who has ADHD is wanting to design and, you know, suggest the event and the day, they're going to probably try to have the date be intentionally in a location and with a situation that minimizes the risk of their ADHD being noticed or coming out because like if you do something that is constant movement or act or action and activity where you're, where you're always moving around and doing something, there's very little time and opportunity for a lot of the, the, the symptoms that are noticeable to come out. Because if you're on a date, let's say you go to a restaurant and it's a quiet or a quietish restaurant and the focus is just about the two of you talking and eating dinner and having to focus and stay, you know, attached and, and not being distracted. It's going to be a lot more difficult for the person who has ADHD to do such a thing because they're going to be constantly fighting and really pushing themselves to be focused and stay attentive the entire date. Now, if they've, if they're someone who was diagnosed uh, a while ago and they've been on medication and they're doing multiple things to help minimize their symptoms, then there's a good chance that 
maybe not much at all comes out on the first date or two. And if the person's not ready to tell their date that, oh, by the way, I suffer from ADHD, blah, 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 and they give them the whole rundown. And especially if that person that they're going on the date with isn't really that knowledgeable on it, then there's a good chance that for the first couple of dates, there's going to be really no awareness of the fact that that person has ADHD. And it, it's got, it has its good and its bad uh, points because of it. The good thing is, is the person with ADHD who is going out on that date doesn't have to really concern themselves too much about the symptoms that they have coming out and possibly getting in the way of having a good time and getting to know that person. Like I remember my my first date that I met my girlfriend back in, oh, when was it? Uh, early 2019. It was like February. Um, we talked for a while before we met and everything, of course, but when we first met, uh, our date was at a mall and we had decided to go first and have dinner at the restaurant that we were, that we had agreed upon. And that despite, like I hadn't really, like I had been aware, I had been thinking about maybe I had ADHD and you know, but I hadn't really focused on it too much. It wasn't something that was in my mind constantly. It was maybe only when maybe I had some really bad symptoms. But I hadn't brought, I, I didn't even realize that I was dealing with it. So, of course, I didn't, that was never brought up. And the, that first part of the date in the restaurant went well. And we talked, we, I asked a lot of questions. We, we had good discussions back and forth. It was a really pleasant evening and very, you know, we, we grew and, um, well, we had already, you know, it's not like we were just getting to know each other. We had a lot, we had known a lot about each other already. And then once the dinner was over, we decided to go and walk around the mall and, talk about everything and we sat down a few times and and discussed and and I was honest with her and everything and trying to show her you know who I am and and wanted to be honest with her and and it went really well and then the I guess the peak moment of the date was when I decided to uh, play a song for her I had been thinking about it for probably the entire date and I really wanted to do this and it was quite a moment because I was being bold and I was being uh, open-minded and everything and it went well and I just we had a good time it was a lot of fun so I was excited um, there were a few things that and it was minor like she she made a notice of it but she didn't really care is I was trying to make myself look younger. Um, I kind of looked like this before the date. Um, you know, like my, I've got a lot of gray in my beard, as you can see. 
And I wanted to try and make myself look a little younger. So I went and got a natural hair color that was supposed to be what I've had in the past. And I did the beard up, right? Like I actually, I didn't have this. It was, sorry, only this. I had just this part. So I, I had a, a dark color and um, I didn't do my hair. I don't think I did my hair. As you can see, I don't have hair anymore. Um, and she noticed that and I, and she, she said that I looked better, just natural. And so I had to obviously let it, you know, grow out. And, and that was the only thing I, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had just left it as is. It didn't really make a difference when it came to, whether or not there was, it made a, you know, uh, changes in our date or if it was successful or not. But our second date, I decided and we agreed that we would go to do mini golf. There was, she, she had this location in mind and we went and played mini golf and had a lot of fun and it was, it was cool, you know, like, it was a good time. It was loud. There was a lot of action and movement. So again, you know, my symptoms, any, any kind of problems that I was having at the time never really came out because there was never an opportunity for the symptoms to appear, which was great. And I was quite happy with that. Now we, our relationship when when it started it felt very unique to us i got, i get that a lot of people when they get into a relationship they are like oh we're we're perfect for each other we're going to get married one day we're so in love with each other blah 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 you know all that kind of stuff and it we did have good connection. We were, we were always talking. It was, we, we had great conversations. They went for hours all the time and it was a ton of fun and it was great. And neither of us had really had anything quite like that before, but she was cautious and I was trying to be open-minded and not, you know, fall head over heels like right away and trying to be realistic regarding this relationship that we were trying to develop. And as with most relationships, of course, there is what they call the honeymoon phase. And that's like where nothing you do or things that happen, unless it's extreme, you know, all the little quirks and quirks that, that come out that tend to annoy people don't show up um, and don't really affect anybody, uh, you know, while you're in that first stages of the relationship. So what ends up happening is everything, all those little things that you deal with, um, they don't occur. It's, it's fine. You know, like you're, everything is okay. You don't have to worry. You know, you don't think about the problems that are, that might come up, but then what ends up happening is, eventually over time it you kind of have situations where you know like 
you start to notice things that you didn't notice at first. And it's, it's one of those things that everybody goes through, right? And some have it quicker than others. Um, some experience it right away. Uh, some, it takes a long time. So it all depends on how your relationship is. It's all kind of unique. And it's just one of those things that it happens to everybody. And, it, and at some point, you're going to you're going to experience the end of the honeymoon phase. And I definitely think that for us, it there were things that were starting to appear. And I think it was four months, maybe five months into the relationship that things started to come out and I was like kind of worried and she was like signs of signs of stress and anxiety were starting to come out and I had no idea that I was facing um, childhood trauma related problems I thought like our first thing that we were thinking um, when stuff started coming up was the CPTSD and we were also thinking about autism and the ADHD uh, also came up because we were, there were all these symptoms, right? Like they, and they were coming up over time, like inattentiveness, uh, constant uh, distraction, um, getting hyper-focused on it on uh, one part of the conversation and having a very difficult time pulling away and, and, and having a shared conversation. Like, there was this, I think, the third date I was at her place. And I remember we were talking about my family and my interests. And it went forever. Like, it was just constant. And she was throwing hints out and signs out that, you know, it was time to change. Uh, time to talk about my like her side of the of the story and her life and and i wasn't picking up on the signs it, it was like i was oblivious like i couldn't pull out of that focus enough to notice and to change and go ah okay i guess i need to stop talking and, and let her talk and it was the first first kind of symptom or signs that there was something up with me and I remember going to my therapy, like I, I, she had been, she had a recommended a, a company to go to and I went and saw this, the person who was in charge of it and had a, an hour-ish conversation with her about my own problems and everything. And I was referred to my therapist who I have now been seeing since then. And it... It's been kind of all over the place, but the idea and the the recognition on my on my behalf that I was I'm suffering from uh, ADHD as well as CPTSD was present and it was obvious. You know, it was becoming more and more clean, concrete that that's what was happening with me. And it's unfortunately 
I wish I had known about this long before uh, meeting her. Uh, it would have most likely saved a lot of grief and stress and hardships that we've been dealing with and going through the entire time up to today. Um, I've made so much progress and my knowledge and understanding of ADHD has grown immensely since then. And of course, last, just this past April, I was diagnosed as an inattentive ADHD and I've been on medication since December of 2022, or sorry, 2021, excuse me. We haven't gotten to December this year yet. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm now, I actually just officially went to 60 milligrams of Vyvanse today. Uh, today was day one. Um, and I also, it was June. I think it was June. I started doing an uh, anxiety medication as well. And I am at currently 15 milligrams and it has done a great deal. It's helped me so much. Uh, it has definitely improved my ability to focus. Uh, my concentration is better. I've felt more myself and more relaxed than in the past. It's not perfect. Nothing is. And don't let anybody ever tell you that. Uh, ADHD medication is going to be the cure and fix for ADHD. There is no such thing. You can't cure it. Like at this point, this day and age, there's nothing out there that they are going to be able to give you that's going to fix it and permanently resolve your problem, which would be great. But we're a long ways away from that. Um, we got a long ways before we're going to have any sort of fix and cure for ADHD. And at the same time, there's a lot of people out there who on social media state that there's no need to fix it, that we are unique. We are our own individual, you know, like it, this whole thing about uh, eliminating or re removing ADHD, it's it's a mix it's a touchy subject because of the fact that there are people out there who have it a lot worse than others imagine okay for those out there who have ADHD but let's say have it really mild or a small amount like it doesn't it's not affecting you to the point where you literally can't live your life properly without medication and without all sorts of like therapy and and multiple different lifestyle changes if, if you like that's that's very severe and the, and the girl that I was talking about at the beginning that's that's an example of a severe case of ADHD who in their right minds is going to want to have that if they had the ability to get a cure like <laughs> If if I were up at that level, if I if I was there and I'm constantly moving around and I can't sit still and I'm always getting distracted, looking at things, forgetting what I'm talking about, why would I want to say no? Like I if if I was 
suffering and dealing with that on a daily basis and having an extremely difficult time not only living my life and may, being able to maintain a career uh, there's also maintaining friendships relationships um, being able to remember to do things like living on your own and doing it successfully it's an extremely difficult thing to do and you have to do that every day now if you could take a pill that would change to the point where it would literally cure you and you could be neuro neurotypical on a daily basis and not have these symptoms affecting you to the point where you can't really you know perform your life in a in a meaningful manner you're damn right you're going to take that like i wouldn't say no there's no way. Okay, today, even even in with my symptoms, the way I'm at, I think I would do it. I think I would take the medication and I would allow it to be the cure. I would I would love to be having a neurotypical brain and be able to think and act and focus like a, a neurotypical so that I could be more productive and more and have a better relationship and not do and say the things and act the way that I act in front of them it's I everybody has their own unique way of life with or without ADHD and wanting to to have that life to feel normal is ultimately a nice dream. It is something that we'd want. And I, I'm not looking to have an argument or, or discuss with uh, people and fight the pros and cons. Like I, I understand that people have to accept who they are. And I have. I, I'm, I'm not saying I won't accept my diagnosis and that I would rather fix it. Like, I realize the reality of this is that I'm not going to be fixed. I'm never going to be normal or neurotypical. It's something that I have to deal with and I've been dealing with it fine. And I have to just live my life. I have to go on day after day, wake up in the morning, remember to take my medication, Remember to, you know, I do things the way I do it, my routines, so that I can be successful and I can be a productive, meaningful human being, not just to myself, but to my partner and to my family. I have to, I have no choice. I have to do that. And in order to, I've got to make the... I got to do this the way I, I have to do, which is with medication and and a proper diet and getting exercise on a regular basis and and avoiding things like an excess of caffeine and sugar, right? Like eating healthy. That's that's all different good ways of of trying to minimize your symptoms. Getting a good night's sleep is another way of of obviously helping minimize your symptoms. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Um, and then as well, we all live in a different part of the world. You know, not everybody obviously lives in the same area. We all have our unique challenges, not only personally, but 
in a society, you know, societal way and in a cultural way. I've interviewed quite a few people over my past season and a bit into the second season who live in different parts of the world. And it's a very different matter as to how they get help and how they deal with having ADHD. Not everybody out there can just get access to medication and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist for a diagnosis uh, that easy, right? Like some of us, like myself, for example, okay, I'm in Canada, as I've said at the beginning, and when I was wanting to learn about my ADHD, I had already been talking to my therapist, so I was able to talk to him. And I went and got a referral for my ADHD diagnosis with a psychiatrist who I saw. That was done in December of 2021. And I got a call to have my appointment uh, in mid-February. And then I actually had my assessment done in April. And it was April of 2022. So it took five months to get the diagnosis. And in the province that I live in, which is Alberta, I was very fortunate to be able to get medication for ADHD before my diagnosis. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of places in the world, uh, the US, the United Kingdom, uh, Australia, India, all, all sorts of different places that it's not necessarily that simple or that easy to get diagnosed or to get medication. Like in the United Kingdom, as I remember discussing with a few different people on my podcasts in the like in previous episodes, because of their national health services, it's not a easy thing. It's not something that you can just call up and say, I'd like to go, I'd like to get a diagnosis done for ADHD. And then they go, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, just sign the forms and then we'll contact you. It's it's a lengthy wait. And I think they were saying it was like two years, which when you really think about it, it's pretty crazy. You actually have to wait two years just to get a diagnosis done with a psychiatrist. And then after that, then you have to, then you get your prescription and there aren't very many choices out there when it comes to the medication for someone in the United Kingdom because it is a controlled substance and they take it very seriously. Like you you have to, you can't just go into the to the pharmacy and, and keep getting renewals, right? You have to go and see your doctor. Your doctor has to talk to you, give an assessment, discuss how you're doing, symptoms, you know. And then he can say, okay, all right, well, why don't we get a three-month prescription for however many milligrams and then come back and see me and then we'll discuss and see what we can do next or what's the next steps or if we can go up a dose, right? So it's... Everybody is different. And then there are some countries out there who they they don't really have any kind of support at all. Um, 
mental illness in some countries is considered to be subhuman or bad and they don't get any support. So if you've got mental illness or you've got a diagnosis or like a, a problem like ADHD, as an example, good luck. Like the only way you're really ever going to get any kind of help with this is by going to another country, which sucks. But unfortunately, that is the way it works because there are countries out there that don't care. They don't really have great support or any support at all for mental health. And in the United States, for example, um, mental health, and there's a lot of people out there who have said so, mental health support in the United States is, is quite poor and they need a lot of work. It needs to be imp greatly improved because there are so many people out there who need the assistance but can't get it for whatever reason or another, there's just no way. And it's, it kind of, I feel bad. I really feel bad for them because especially in a country that has almost 400 million people, it's, there's more and more people out there who are, especially with the pandemic that affected everybody, there's more people out there who are suddenly realizing that they've got mental health problems. Like they're, they're dealing with depression or they're dealing with ADHD or maybe they've dealt with lifetime trauma or PTSD, right? Like, and there's other things. There's like bipolar issues and um, schizophrenia, which is pretty serious, of course, just like any other. And the ability to get help and support is extremely difficult. And if you don't have a healthcare system, like there are, there is Obamacare, but a lot of mental health, like a lot of um, health support in the U.S. is is quite limited. Like it, there's not a ton of options out there, and it's really the limitations are very obvious, and that's that is extremely unfortunate. And I wish that wasn't the case. And everybody, let, let's put it this way. The way it should be is no matter where you live, you should be able to get health care support for mental health for free. I, even where I am, Canadians don't get to just go and find a mental health support specialist, like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and choose whoever they want and gets paid for that's not how it works you i think you get an assess you get a free assessment through your provincial health care but and i think i think you i don't know it might be different for some some provinces but i think you might get one or two appointments but for the most part mental health support whether it's psychiatry or psychology is an extended benefits uh, option and for a lot of places out there, the majority of employees uh, or sorry employers that offer extended benefits, the mental health coverage is extremely poor. It's not very much at all, and it only covers I think maybe two or three, maybe even four appointments, and then you're out of your money, and that's it. Then you got to come out of your own pocket. I remember my company. 
the two companies that I've been with in the past 11 years where I actually had the ability to use it, their support, their coverage was, I'll put it quite frankly, it was a joke. Imagine having only $300 for mental health support (laughs) and an appointment is $200 just for a single appointment to see somebody. So what's the point? Why bother? You're going to, because you're going to have to probably see him depending on what your issue is, depending on what you're dealing with. You're going to have to see them definitely more than one or two times. Like, it's pretty rare unless it's just like a, for a, a checkup, you know, just discuss things and, oh, I feel better now. I got stuff off my chest, which is not, ex- that's not the typical thing. You know, that's not, the con- that's not your average uh, client who's trying to get mental health support. A common, the most common one is where they need to get assessed by a psychologist and they need to come back. Uh, usually every two weeks um, to get proper, you know, proper help and and get therapy practice, you know, like work and, and doing homework or, well, that's what they call it, doing homework when you're at home and not just while you're visiting your, th- your therapist. It's, it gets to be expensive. And like I said, the majority of places out there who offer benefits it's an extremely poor amount and you're unless unless you make a lot of money and you can afford uh, 400 a month sometimes it's six depending on when the day falls or you can just do it every two months no matter what but either way like if you can afford four hundred dollars a month then great but how many people out there in this world today? Now this is Canada, and I don't know what the cost is um, every for every session. I think it's like the same. I think it's about two hundred dollars, maybe even more for some. Um, but to go and see a therapist, most people, the like middle low class individuals. A lot of them can't afford to consistently go every two weeks. $400 is a lot of money, especially if they happen to have kids and maybe they don't exactly have the greatest job. Um, maybe they live on their own. You know, maybe they're struggling to get by because they're maybe they're only in a startup job and they're going to school, right? It's not a simple, oh yeah, here's here's $200, no problem. I can part with that, big deal. For a lot of people, it's not a it's not a, an affordable option. They either have no choice because it's so severe and they have to go in debt or they get support and help from maybe their their family if their family is aware and supportive of them going to see a therapist. It Otherwise, a lot of people can't afford it. So imagine, like, here's the thing. You're not going to go to your therapist and one appointment, they're going to go, okay, you have ADHD. Let's get you a referral. 
let's go see your doctor, blah, blah, blah. And then you get, you go in and you do your thing. Now, if you're, if you do have public care and they can do it publicly and you go on a waiting list, uh, like myself, it can be anywhere from five months to a year, maybe a couple of years. Um, there are some places that I've heard, uh, I believe the Philippines, that a person was able to get it in and get it done right away, which is fantastic. I honestly wish that was the case for everywhere, but you know, it's, it's depends on where you live clearly. And if you could get in and do that, then that would be nice. But yeah, like, unless that's the part is that if you, if you don't want to wait, if you want to pay up front and you want to get it done immediately, you're going to end up paying a couple grand because you got to go in, you got to get the assessment. They're going to bring in your family or friends, people that you're around because they, because they need to do multiple interviews. Like I didn't necessarily, I, I only is only myself, but there was a lot of information and the, uh, my doctor was consulted and it, it was a quick procedure, but it's not the same everywhere. Some it's an initial interview with the person who's trying to get ADHD diagnosis. And then the family members or the friends get interviewed so that they can get a secondary and third opinion on that person's behavior and their, and symptoms. And then once that's done, then the psychiatrist can die, you know, say, okay, so this is what, this is what we've got. And we're going to, I'm going to put you on a prescription for whatever kind of medication. And depending on where you are, there's maybe one or two choices. And in some places there's a lot and you could either have a stimulate, a stimulant medication, which is what I'm on. Uh, there's a non-stimulant medication that you can be on. Uh, there's many, many different types out there that you can, you know, be put on depending on where you are and choices. And not everybody, and the other thing is, is it's not as simple as just taking a pill and in a week or two, you notice you're so much better. A lot of people who go in and they, they get their diagnosis and they want to be on medication, they, they don't always work out on the first one or two types of uh, medication uh, options that they're given. And they have really bad side effects or issues that come up that are just not working or it's not doing anything. Like they're not getting any relief. There's no benefits from the medication that they're on. So you end up having to go find another one. And on the other hand, now here's the other thing. What if you don't have benefits that support paying for prescriptions? <laughs> here's the thing where I am it's charge the charges based on how many milligrams each pill is my I purchased a prescription yesterday and it was 60 milligram per day and after benefits and I got a 90 I have a 90% coverage on prescriptions so that means I only have to pay 10% my prescription amount that I paid for was just over $23. So imagine what that is. 
23. That meant that the actual amount for the prescription, if nobody, if I didn't have coverage and it was coming truly just right out of pocket, was over $230 for, for a month's worth of ADHD Vyvanse at 60 milligrams a day. Like, can you just think about that and ponder how hard it is to get like medication so you don't have coverage you don't get to go and see a, a psychiatrist for free you have to pay to have well first off if you want to get it done right away you got to pay the upfront fee to get in so you're paying a couple grand depending on where you are they do the assessment and now this is assuming that it goes like you want and that you are diagnosed with ADHD because not everybody is. Some people don't get diagnosed. Some people, they have other other things that come up, right? Like, oh, it's anxiety uh, or you're, you might have bipolar disorder or maybe it's something completely different, right? It's, it, it is a possibility. You might not get diagnosed. And so what you end up having to do is you pay and if they if it gets diagnosed if you get diagnosed and they decide here here's your prescription now so you've already paid a couple grand to get diagnosed and now you've got to pay I, I get okay here's the thing it wasn't that much to begin okay i started off at 10 and i only paid like 9 dollars but that's still 90 dollars without benefits so that's and that was per month and at so 60 milligrams has gone from nine all the way to 230 sorry 23 ish so 237 i think it was 237 and that was without the benefits a month for 60. so two grand to get diagnosed you move up and you're up to $237 a month to get your medication. How, if, if you're struggling and it's not like, here's the thing with most, a lot of people who have ADHD struggle to maintain employment because they have a hard time doing their job, right? Always getting distracted, maintaining tasks, moving from one to the other, forgetting to do stuff, right? Like there's multiple different things that come out because of ADHD that affect your ability to keep your job. And your boss, unless, you know, you've got the ability to protect your job because of your ADHD, there are employers out there that don't have that kind of, that don't care, really. And now, never mind the legal thing if they if they get if you get let go and a lot of people in the world i'm sure there are tons of people out there who have adhd and either don't know or do know and are losing jobs consistently or on a regular basis because of the fact that their adhd is getting in the way of maintaining their job and having a good successful time at it right and so Maybe you're making minimum wage. Maybe you're making just above minimum wage. How the hell are you supposed to pay for your ADHD medication and pay for things like rent 
and food and accommodations. And what if you've got kids? Now you got to pay for your kids. What if they're in school? Now you got to pay. Like there's fees that you have to pay to schools. It all adds up. So how are you supposed to be able to pay for your medication to help combat the ADHD symptoms that you're experiencing? And especially if they're pretty severe. It just it just annoys me to no end because I feel fortunate. Like I'm blessed. I, I, I realize that my life, I could be one of those type that is struggling. I don't, you know, I could be the type that doesn't have a, a, a decent paying job, that doesn't have benefits, uh, doesn't have support um, on multiple sides, right? Like I'm, I, I, I feel very lucky that I have the ability to pay for, to have my benefits pay for the majority of my medication and that I was able to wait for five months, which is, you know, when you think about it, it's not that long. I was able to get a free diagnosis for ADHD. I was able to, I, I have benefits to the point where I can go see my, my therapist on a regular basis for a while. And then it does come out of my pocket, but I've reduced my amount of time to once a month when that occurs. I, I feel fortunate that I'm in a situation that I am in, but I also realize and I acknowledge and I'm very aware that there are a lot of people out there that don't have that kind of support. They don't get to have benefits and decent, you know, earnings and and support. And if they're on their own or if, or if you're a single mother or a single father and you've got a kid or two, life is going to be difficult. And sometimes you have to make a choice. Sometimes you can't afford to have ADHD medication. So you go without. What are you, you going to do? Right? You have to decide what's important. Paying for your rent and, pay, and feeding yourself and your children. That's number one. Obviously, you got to have a place to live and you got to be able to feed. ADHD medication is something that would be, oh, maybe one day when I'm making a decent amount of money and I'm, maybe I found someone and I'm married or I'm dating and we're living together. Maybe then I can do it. It's one of those things that has to be put aside uh, until another day. So life really is hard. If we lived in a society that gave us free money or, or not free money, excuse me, free health care, right? Like if, if we had free health care and we had a free, free psychi like psychologist or psychiatry for free and our benefits were paid up and we had 100% coverage for prescriptions, then it would be very different for us, right? Like we wouldn't have to really think about it. We get our diagnosis, we could take our medication, we could talk to a therapist, get support and get help and have our life in order and feel good, right? But a lot of people out there don't have that that choice. It sucks. It really sucks. And I am sorry that for a lot of you out there, that is how it is. That is not fun. 
There's nothing good about that. And I wish you could all have perfect benefits and, and free medical support and free mental health care from your government and never have to think about it and never have to worry about it. You know, what are you going to do tomorrow or what are you going to do next week? That's that's what we want, right? We, we all want the same thing. ADHD, it's a pain in the ass, there's no doubt. Now, one thing I want to discuss before this is over, and a lot of people probably maybe don't focus on this enough because the main, well, first off, diagnosis in, in, in anywhere, uh, emotional regulation is not part of the diagnosis criteria when it comes to ADHD. Things like focus, inattention, uh, hyperactivity, uh, those are a lot of, those are some of the, of the diagnosis criteria that is out there for children and adults when it comes to determining whether you have ADHD or not. But the one thing, and I had a discussion with uh, a lady a couple of weeks ago, um, Tamara Rosier, who's an expert. She's a ADHD coach and she's a, a renowned expert who has a book out on, uh, you know, ADHD and emotion and the brain. And I interviewed her and she was on my podcast. And I definitely recommend going and, and watching that, epi- or sorry, not watching, listening to that episode. Um, she's an extremely knowledgeable lady. She has ADHD herself. So it's not like she's just writing this based on other people's info. And I understand and I really got a much broader comprehension of ADHD when it comes to the emotional side of it. Emotional dysregulation occurs because of our brain's underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. And we have or we are prone to being more emotional and having a hard time, extremely difficult time dealing with our emotions and regulating it because when our emotions get out of control, our symptoms occur more and are more rampant and more obvious. And it really can cause tons of issues for us. We get stressed out and we get overwhelmed and we get super anxious and we can't communicate and we can't think, we can't remember our conversations. There's all sorts of negative implications because of it. And a lot of people don't realize either at all or at first, you know, for the first while of, of having ADHD that our emotions play a large, extremely imperative role when it comes to our ADHD and how it affects our day-to-day life. We, if we could if we could regulate our emotions and know when we're feeling overwhelmed and when we're feeling excited and upset or sad or depressed or angry, we would, it would be so much easier. Like 
just imagine. And I actually, I'm not even sure if, if ADHD would be that serious if we were able to regulate our emotions correctly. But for a large majority of, of those out there who have ADHD like myself, that's an extremely difficult thing to do. Regulating our emotions is not an easy thing. It's it's very difficult and it's very it's very stressful. And we we get super frustrated and we get and the level of frustration is so much quicker. Like I I honestly I don't know what it's like to experience a neurotypical level of frustration or emotions I've never I wouldn't know I've I've always been this way right and it's one of those things that you I would give anything to be able to just kind of feel it even if it was just for a, a couple hours I would love to know because my only experience when it comes to emotions are it's either minimal to non-existent or extreme where it's like overwhelming and very front and and crazy and loud and and just you know like you just don't know what you're going to do and and you're scared and you're and you don't you feel like things are crazy in your head all the time and at at the slightest thing that it goes wrong or tips you off or, or is difficult you explode and you and you're just like oh my god what am i going to do and, and and you're running around and and you're and you're excited and you're moving around and, and you can't control yourself and, you, and you're forgetting things and you're you know you're trying to get something done and 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 you can't control yourself you can't calm down it's all really insane and it affects us in such a crazy way like medication isn't going to help that you can take ADHD medication and it's not going to make the feelings go away. Like you're still going to have emotional regulation issues, even on medication. Even if you take anxiety medication as well, which I happen to be on, it doesn't stop it. It might help reduce the symptoms or the severity of it, but it's not going to prevent this from occurring. And to be honest, who really wants to have their emotions taken away? Because you don't want to be a robot. You don't want to be Spock from Star Trek. You want to be able to have emotions. The point is, is trying to regulate it and to be able to know when they're getting to be too much or when you need to have your emotions appear. That's the part that we want. We don't want to get crazy from zero to zero to crazy in 10 or in five seconds and losing control and having a temper tantrum and and saying things that are hurtful and doing things that are that you can't take back we want to be able to say to ourselves no 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 calm down no it's okay let's not do that right like when we're having emotional regulation issues it's extremely difficult for someone to do that and they either get already gone and at a at the nine or ten scale of emotional issue before they even realize it and it's not a simple thing to to handle and it affects your partners because like your partner or your family or your friends because they're going to notice it and if they don't really understand or aren't aware of the fact that that's what's going on it can 
and it often causes permanent damage to your your relationships with friends and family or a loved one it's hard to it can be hard to understand for some people especially if you're still relatively new in your ADHD diagnosis i one i definitely recommend doing a lot of research and doing a lot of reading on emotional regulation or emotional dysregulation I would definitely look into Tamara's website uh, and her book. Um, the book, the name of the book for Tamara, I'm just looking it up now, sorry. <laughs> it is called Your Brain's Not Broken. And this is a, a book, I'm going to be starting to read it right now, uh, very soon. And it's going to, it's got a lot of information that is extremely helpful when it comes to ADHD and emotional regulation and helping yourself be better prepared with ADHD. So I definitely recommend looking into all that. Um, there's a lot of different videos on YouTube that deal with ADHD and emotional regulation. Um, but one person out there as well that I would definitely recommend without a doubt looking up is Russell Barkley. He is a psychiatrist and he also has a degree and specialty in neurology and he in my opinion is the number one expert in the world when it comes to ADHD. He has oh I don't know maybe a hundred videos descriptions on ADHD and everything to do with ADHD on YouTube. All you got to do is just look him up. Like you can search for him and he's got a ton of videos and it, they're all extremely well done. They're extremely informative. They will help you if you have any questions or you're, you've got concerns relating ADHD. Go there. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to wrap this up today. I will be back. Uh, I will do another one of these at another date soon. If you would like to contact me and you've got a question, um, if you're seeing this at a future date uh, after the live recording, uh, you can contact me through Twitter, of course. It's on the screen at ADHD and CPTSD. You can email me um, and... It's CP, living with ADHD and CPTSD at gmail.com. There it is on the screen. You can email me there. Uh, you can, if you are someone who likes to, wants to support my show and are into, you know, doing a membership, you get a lot of benefits. Um, you get bonus podcasts that are only available to, to members and it's it's something and as well there is a it's on patreon you get to have it's sorry i'm just something's not quite working here um you get there's a what we have is a um, loyalty membership and with that, you get to get free merchandise every three months. And this allows you to be a member of, this, of the team 
and you get free access to all bonus material. There's extra like early access. And then there's the merchandise that you can do. So it's patreon.com slash living with ADHD and CPTSD. And if you uh, would rather donate um, to the cause, uh, I do have things that I need to pay for, like software and websites that I use to go and create my podcast. Then you can go to ko-fi.com. And I'll spell it out here. It is ko-fi.com slash living with ADHD and CPTSD. That is a way of donating. You can donate any amount that you feel is affordable. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. It's we just all we want is or all I want is just to continue to be able to do my uh, podcasts and give you guys the information that you're looking for. Uh, regarding ADHD and CPTSD. Um, my podcast is available on Apple, of course, and there's subscribers there. You can be a subscriber, get early access, and that is a definite thing that you can do. The website, here's the, uh, here it is, okay. Living with ADHD and CPTSD podcast. I have, like I said, I do two episodes a week, one on ADHD and one on CPTSD. And I think for someone who's dealing with trauma and ADHD, this is a definitely a good way to get some support and get some help. And the more voices that are out there talking about their issues, especially with trauma, the better because then more people feel safe and believe and feel like they've got a voice and they can talk about it with anybody anybody who's willing to listen all right everybody that's it i hope you enjoyed this live show it obviously will be on youtube uh, on a recast and it is on my facebook page I will be putting this on my podcast, uh, audio version, and I hope that you'll, if you haven't listened to this, then uh, you can listen to it there. Um, I'm actually planning on interviewing people in, in live stream events as well, and there will be plenty of notice so that you guys can watch and ask questions, and we can all have a good time while we're talking. All right. Thanks for listening and watching and have a great day and a great weekend. Bye everybody.